Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the eSpot with Camille. I am your host, Camille Cower, and I am so thankful that you guys are here joining me this evening. I cannot wait for you guys to have a second chance with speaking with Mr. Popcorn Miller. He is a drummer, a composer, tour manager, and he has a new jazz album. He was on before with actually the guy that's also part of the jazz album, Skip Anderson. Uh, I guess it was last month. This month is flying by. Well, anyway, he is joining us from Vegas, and I can't wait. Let's try this again. Hello, hello. Oh, no. Can you hear me? How are you? Oh, good. Yes, I was nervous. I was like, oh, no, not again. I can't hear You can't hear me. No, no, no. We're good. Oh, great. So um, thank you again for joining me again. Just so people know that maybe didn't watch your previous interview. Last time we had some technical difficulties and Mr. Miller was able to pretend to hear and know what was going on the entire interview. Well, not the entire interview, like the end part of the interview when he couldn't hear or see a thing we were saying. So I commend you for your, um, uh, um, let's see, um, not impulse skills. What is it? Um, improv skills of acting as if, because <laughs> I had no idea to afterwards that you couldn't hear or see us anymore. Well, I didn't want to be like, hey, hey, hey. It was kind of funny because sometimes I would address questions to skip and then you would answer in and then I was I was just like, oh, well, I guess we'll just do we'll just roll with it. See what happens. So, again, I appreciate right. all your great acting skills and I'm so glad to have you back so we can hear more from you and find out more about your wonderful career as um, not only a drummer, but also a tour manager with so many greats. So um, I feel like we should at least explain why you're wearing a mask so people understand what's going well, on. Well, I had people that come in this apartment today to do some work and they weren't masked up like I thought they would be and they just left. So it's like, oh, okay, I'm not taking a chance with these cats, okay? There was only two of them. They weren't here that long, but, you know, it's like, all right, you know. So, and then I'm trying to be politically correct. <laughs> safety first, safety you know, first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to see my last interview, okay? So okay. I'm all good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Cause you're also like, it's, you're in Vegas. So you're dealing with the heat on top of everything else. So I really appreciate you spending the time with me today and let's just jump right into it. So last time we, we talked a lot about um, how you got started in the music career, but there was a question that came up that you weren't able to hear. So I want to make sure you get the chance to tell everyone where the name popcorn come from. <laughs> It came, I grew up in Ohio, and uh, there was a young lady that I knew that was older than me, 
and uh, I used to be friends with her her uh, brothers. I'm still friends with them. And she uh, told me one day I looked like I weighed about as much as a kernel of popcorn. So she started calling me popcorn. Then her brother started calling me popcorn. Then the neighborhood started calling me popcorn. So it's like, oh, well, guess that's it. So I just took it. And then when I became a drummer, I used it as a, my professional name. Okay. And so I've had it forever. Yeah. So yeah, there was questions about that. And I was like, um, I think it's because of his size. Because I remember you told me, but at the same time, I was like, I don't, I know it's not what you think it would be. It's not because he jumps around a lot, like, you know, like oh. popcorn does. So, um, and then um, Skip was like, I think it's because he was in the military and maybe a colonel. So there was a lot of theories that you didn't hear. Yeah, no, no, no. What, wasn't that? It's just, just a neighborhood friend. Actually, her name yeah. was Sheila Rouse, and okay. she just called me that. And I saw her about twenty-five years later because I hadn't seen her. And I went back to Ohio for a minute, and and I told her I was still using that name. And she said, "You got to be kidding me!" I said, "Nope. You gave it to me. I still use it." You know, and. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, people remember me from that. They wouldn't remember me if I they had my real name. They remember that. If they don't remember me, they remember the name. Right. So right. it helps out in in what I was doing as stage manager, as people would always know, okay, that's popcorn or who is that or whatever. So, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah. it works. Now, um, forgive me for forgetting, because I know that you started with drumming first but between the two professions of, I mean, drumming and being a, a tour manager, stage manager, sorry, I keep calling you tour manager, stage manager, what would you, I mean, I know you're, you have an album coming out, but I'm still curious, which of the two did you enjoy most during, the, um, I guess, the height of your profession? Playing. But playing, okay. Yeah. Playing, yeah. I mean, stage manager... It's a 17 hour, 17 hour day and it's work. Mm -hmm. Okay. There ain't nothing glamorous, ain't nothing cool about it until you finish at night. But it's just work. It's just a, just an employee. So you just come in, you know, everybody has a job. Ain't no sick days. You don't take no time off. You have a job, you come in, do what you gotta do. So I'm just part of a team. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not even the team leader. Production manager would be the team leader. Okay. And he directs me as to what he wants me to do, and then I direct everybody else. Okay. Oh wow. Now you've stage managed for a lot of great big concerts. So was there anyone that you just remember being a situation where you just had a lot of moving parts going on that really was more was closer to a twenty four hour day or <laughs> felt like a twenty four hour day once it was all said and done? Um. You know, once you get out there, you know, you have rehearsal for a while. So you rehearse everything that you're going to do. Mm -hmm. And once you get out there and you start rolling, then it's, it's usually like it's the same thing every day. Right. Exactly yeah. the same thing every day. You just do it in a different place, you know. And it's, I, I can only think of one of one show out of the probably thousand or so that I've done was a, uh, <clears throat> a storm in Chicago. And mm -hmm. we were playing and they were playing that night. And they were getting ready to put the band on stage. And, and this storm came up and they said, everybody run. And we ran. And I mean, and it, this storm, it just went right through this outside 
place we were playing, it just tore up everything. Oh, okay. wow. It rained for days, water everywhere. And and that was kind of like, okay, this was serious. We had people in the roof doing stuff. They had to come down. Mm-hmm. It was lightning. It was just all of a sudden this big, you know, high winds. So I remember that because it was pretty nasty day. And then because everything got wet, the show was canceled. Then we had to like kind of dry stuff before you put it in the truck so it wouldn't be wet the next morning. Some of you couldn't do that. It was, I don't remember any gigs that were like like real special. Mm -hmm. They're all the same. Yeah. (laughs) I guess from your angle, they would be in the sense that there's a lot of moving parts and you're constantly moving and keeping up with it. So what are some of the responsibilities of a stage manager that us, civilians wouldn't really know about like what all is it that you do well stage manager is uh, basically you're a traffic cop Mm -hmm. okay you have a bunch of trucks that are loaded with one with a couple with sound a couple with lights now you have to organize getting getting them unloaded you have to uh, uh, put labor in the in the right places so that people can work and you still get trucks unloaded. And the major deal is, is not let nobody put the cart before the horse. You know, everybody, when you get, you have vendors, they're pretty interested in what they do. They don't really care about what other people do. Mm -hmm. Let me get my stuff happening. Mm -hmm. Well, you have to make sure that they don't get in other people's way and they don't put stuff in other people's way. And if you have to work around them, it's not for a long time. And you just... You just try to keep every everybody smooth and, and assign labor and get the breaks where uh, they're supposed to have them in the lunch periods. And and all of this is way before showtime. I mean, this is like starts at 8 in the morning. Okay. You don't even see the band till like 4, 4.30 when you have a sound check. But sometimes you're working till you see them. Sometimes you're not. It depends on the building. If the building is conducive to what you do, then maybe you're done working by 2 o'clock. If it's a hard building, a hard load in, the trucks are a long way away, it's a long push, mm-hmm. then maybe you're just getting to where you want to be at four o'clock. Okay. So, you know, it's it's a long day. Uh, once you you get the sound checks happening after that, then they open the doors and let the people in, you do the show, and then you have to reverse it and get it all out of the building. Mm. So if you have 10 trucks of stuff coming in, you got 10 trucks of stuff going out. Mm-hmm. Only thing is, is coming in, it might take you five or six hours going out. You're trying to do it in two, three, four hours because it's much easier to tear down than it is to build it. I can only imagine. Um, now, you mentioned earlier that you guys have rehearsals and so on. How long normally was the time frame you guys would practice or re- have rehearsals before the actual concert? How far in advance would you be involved even with, I guess, the whole orchestrating of the event or concert? Well, we use, like, if you're going to go on tour, mm-hmm. you need uh, production rehearsals, which is like production days. They're not really rehearsals for us. They're where you get everything in. Everything is coming from all the vendors, and they have to make it fit for what you're trying to do. And you get, you have two or three days for light programming, for video programming. <clears throat> so maybe you get a week or so before you even see the band. Okay. 
to get all of that stuff in place so that when they come in, then, you know, they'll make whatever adjustments they got to make. And then now you have rehearsals that involve the band. And, uh, but it's hard to go out there and not rehearse it because it's just, you leave too many things to chance. Right, right. So you really want to have it 99% dialed in when you leave Mm -hmm. and say, okay, we're going to do this. And if you play the same kind of buildings every day, like if you're going to tour this an arena, it's basically the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. You know, the flat floor, it's a stage, it's a loading dock, it's electricity, it's labor. <laughs> but if you play a theater one day, a stadium the next day, an arena the next day, mm-hmm. somebody's backyard the next day, then things, then you have to make adjustments. Yeah. Okay. And maybe you can't bring in the whole show. Maybe the place is not big enough to bring all of your lights. Mm. So somebody you have to sacrifice, okay, well, we're not going to be able to do that tomorrow. We have to do less of this or, you know, it just depends, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's not uh, as a mundane thing like, oh, you just get used to it and do it. No, you, because you don't, especially as a stage manager, because it's always going to change. Maybe your labor's not there. Maybe the stage is not in the right position mm. and all of that stuff to production manager, which uh, for Earth, Wind and Fire's name is Tony Bullock. Very, very good at what he does. He makes everything cool for me. So when I get there, I already know what's going on. He's, yeah. you know, production manager, they, they do all the advanced work. They talk to all the buildings. They let everybody know we're coming. This is what we're bringing. Mm-hmm. This is what we need from you. This is what time we'll be here. All and then when I get there, it's just like okay, I'm so and so, so and so. How many guys do I have here today? What time is your lunch breaks? And and, and then you start the day, okay. you know. So I mean, it's after a while, it just gets it's just a regular gig. You start around seven thirty, eight seven thirty in the morning. You should be in the building for eight o'clock load in, and then maybe you're there till one, maybe two, mm. maybe three. Man. Then you go to sleep on the bus and you wake up four hours later and you do it again. <laughs> Someplace else. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm just curious, just from the outside looking in, how like how did you sustain that schedule? Like, what was your I know they say musicians keep like vampire hours, but how are you able to have some type of normalcy or schedule with that with just constantly moving to different locations, different time zones, even, and just, or different countries and different languages. What were some of the challenges and how were you able to kind of deal with that schedule? You get used to it and your body gets used to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I sleep better on a bus and an airplane than I do at home. Oh, so wow. that's, that's, I go to bed on a bus, I'm sleeping five minutes. On the airplane, I'm asleep for the plane takeoff, and I ain't waking up till we land. At home, I might wake up ten times in the night because I, I, I guess it's because it's not moving. Yeah, I don't know. It might be but, too quiet too. With I don't know. I mean, I haven't really haven't had the joy of hanging out in some of the luxury buses. I'm sure you were on, but um, from my experiences with buses, they're not the most comfortable. How many? Oh, we got some great questions actually coming in. How many people were on a bus typically? It depends. It depends. Uh, it depends on how big how big your 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 organization is. Mm. Depends on how much you're carrying around. 
you could have three or four buses with 10 people on each bus. Okay. You could have two buses with six people on each bus or eight mm -hmm. people on each bus. Mm -hmm. It just depends on what you're doing because uh, you're only sleeping on them. You're only transportation to get you from one place to the other. So, you know, if you have 30 people on the crew, you might have 12 people on two buses and eight people on six people on another bus or eight people, 10 and 10. The production manager, he tries to work it out. Whereas that the people that have to be in there first are probably on the first bus. Yeah. And, and then, uh, as the day goes on, you have other departments to come in and the lighting guys always ride together. Sound guys ride together. Production people ride together. Backline guys ride with usually the production people. So, uh, sometimes you don't know. You hope that it's only six or eight people, so you'd have a lot of room, mm -hmm. and you could stretch out. And but if it's twelve, it's what it is. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. been on a bus with with twenty people. Mm. Bus made it three hundred forty-eight miles and fell apart. <gasps> oh, then no. bring us another bus. Oh, we were like stuck, like stuck. Okay, we had. It was like miserable. It was one bus leaving L.A. And the artist was on the bus. The background singers were on the bus. The band was on the bus. At least eight or nine crew members were on the bus. Yeah. And uh, the equipment, the, the bus shows up with equipment from a band that hadn't paid. Mm. So all the bays where you would put your stuff were full of band gear equipment. So the stuff had to go up in the bus. So people were laying in the aisles. They were sleeping in chairs. I know there had to have been 20, 20, 21 of us on that bus. Mm. We made it to Kingman, Arizona, and the pressure plate on the bus just blew up. So, oh, my gosh. Uh, they flew the next morning to do the gig, and I stayed with the bus because we still had stuff on the bus. Right, right. So I stayed with the bus. They took them like a day or two to fix the bus, and then I rode on to, which was Chicago with them on the bus. Okay. And then we got to Chicago and then we, they had a new bus, okay. but you never know. Yeah. You know, well, um, Bernard has another great question. How do you make things happen when you perform in an arena today, theater tomorrow? How do you package your gear or do you take it all in the building and just figure it out inside, I guess? No, you, you, <clears throat> well, usually like what's, they're not usually, but with like with Earth, Wind, and Fire, they're very, very organized. The production manager makes everything organized. We get in town. If the show's the next day, he arranges for us to go over to the building the day before, and we look at the building. Even okay. if we've been there before, we okay. look at it and just see where I'm going to put stuff, where I'm going to put spare stuff, where I'm going to put empty stuff, how many trucks can stay on the dock. You do all of that usually the day before. Okay. okay. If you can't do it the day before, when you walk in the building that day, then that's the first things you do is figure out, okay, well, I'm going to unload 10 trucks of stuff. Where am I going to put it? Mm. Okay. And, and then you can't, you don't want to have stuff out there that you don't need yet. So you have to do it in order. And, and I'm, I kind of like having two or three things done at the same time. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they're putting lights up, but they're also hanging sound. They're already, they're maybe building the set. A whole lot of things are going on at the same time. Yeah. So um, it's a challenge, but it's all mental. It's basically on the production manager and stage manager when you change all the buildings. 
because he makes all of the necessary stuff to make it easier for us. And then I physically try to do what he's planned for us to get in here and do it. Sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to change. Sometimes you get in buildings and, and, um, it's, uh, wintertime or summertime and the basketball floors are stacked up in the places you would usually store stuff. Now there's a basketball floor in that, in that space. Or there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so It's an everyday deal. Okay. Where am I going to put empties? That's always my first question. Where, where can I store stuff? Yeah. Your last resort is to put it back in the truck. Okay. To empty, which you don't want to do. But you figure the trucks are 53 feet long. Mm -hmm. Three trucks, that's 150 feet of space. So if you if you know that you can't put it in the building and it makes sense, then you know maybe try to put it on a loading dock, or you try to put it on the first couple of trucks that are going to be unloaded that are going to be loaded first at night, so you get them. Okay. You get the stuff. It's just a. Uh, you know, you get used to it. Yeah, right. you, you walk in and you say, okay, well, I can't do this. I can't do that. We can't do this. We can't do that. Or, oh, wow, this is cool. We can do everything. Dump it. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, I uh, in March, I had interviewed our local director here for our arena. And our arena is a hockey stadium as well. And he was talking about how quickly he would have to sometimes turn over an ice floor to a basketball court to a concert that night or maybe it was a Disney on ice situation and then there was a con I don't I don't remember everything but now hearing it from your side it's like oh like that sounds like a lot of moving parts but at the same time a lot of adrenaline I'm sure goes with it as well where you're just like it's fun making fitting the puzzle pieces as they need be to get the show on the road as they say I guess but that's that's, cool. that's what it, I mean, the <clears throat> The stuff that happens in the building, we have nothing to do with. Right. I mean, they got to put in a floor. They got to build a stage. They got to, that's all, that's on them. Okay. They already have been told, here's what we want. We come in, we want the stage already built, and then we'll do what we got to do. But as far as them changing, we're in places where, yeah, we're, they're taking up the uh, regular floor because there's ice underneath it and there's a mm -hmm. hockey rehearsal the next morning. Mm -hmm. Or they put down a basketball floor because the basketball team is coming up early to rehearse or to practice or whatever. But that doesn't have anything to do with us. No. We, that's, that's a building deal. Y'all do that. Yeah. We just need labor. We need uh, uh, a flat, clean floor. Yeah. We need a stage. We need electricity. We need whatever we need. And we need dressing rooms and we need all. All that and you know and um you know it's okay mm. you know after i didn't start out being a stage manager right. i didn't know between a forklift and a shackle when i first went on the road <laughs> well if it makes you feel any better i still don't <laughs> about that big a forklift you were you drive ah, okay i didn't okay. know yeah well, that's a good question. Now, does the band, do you normally have to check your own gear or is that part of the stage manager's job too, to have all your gear ready for you on stage as well? Well, we have, bands have technicians. Okay. They're band gear guys. Guys, a guy that do guitars, a guy that do drums, a guy that do uh, drum, uh, uh, keyboards or something. Mm -hmm. You have all different people that they come in and do that. I don't physically have to do anything. I do 
because people work better with you than they work for you. Mm -hmm. So I always be like, if I need four people, I'll be that fourth person because then I can control what's going on. Yeah. You know, I, I can control how we move it, where we put it. And then I got my eye on where these people are because people will disappear on you. You look up and say, well, what happened? Why you only got five guys? I don't know. Three guys left. Then you go looking for them there outside smoking. Then <laughs> uh, you have to read them. You read them. I mean, you know, you don't read them the riot act at first. You just, yo, man, we need you inside. Okay. Yeah. Then they go. Now, if you had to go out there the second time, I won't tell them. I'll go to their boss and say, yo, man, I can't never find this dude. Right. And then he'll go address it, you know, because that's his employee, ain't mine. Mm-hmm. So I don't get in the middle of that. It's like, hey, man, like, or oh, this guy's not, you know, I make sure that everybody talks respectful to everybody. Nobody's our slave. Mm-hmm. We're all there together as one big team to make it happen. Right. And if you talk nice to people and you talk respectful to people, they'll they'll be glad to do what you got to do. But if you talk nasty to them and you got an attitude, then they'll stay away from you. Right. Yeah, you know, that makes sense. You don't get the job done. Yeah. Like you. So, you know, you have to go in and just be nice. Just be regular. Just a human being. Hey, man, how you doing? Hey, good to see you again. Blah, blah, blah. Because mm-hmm. you know you're going to always see these same people. If you do this long enough, you're going to yeah. always go back to the building and see the same people. Right. And if they were happy to see you when they saw you last time, they'll be happy to see you this time. No, it's funny. Um, what, like, I don't know if you remember him because you travel so much with so many different bands, but Rob Douglas, he's the director here at PNC. He's from Detroit originally. He's like six, seven black guy. And um, he was like telling me how Earth, Wind and Fire was one of like how meticulous and perfect they would be. Like he remembers that with working with them at PNC. So they definitely remember the good ones for sure. Well, you know, you, you, you know, you, you know, you also represent the artists. Mm-hmm. We're the first people to walk in the building that actually represent the artists. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep that in mind too. If you're working for a legendary, legendary band, you don't want at the end of the day, they'll say, oh, uh, the band was good, but the crew sucked. Right. You don't want them to say that. You don't want them to say, oh man, we had all kinds of problems with those guys and, and blah, blah. You don't, you don't want to, all you want them to say is, hey man, we had a great day. See you next time. Mm-hmm. That's all you want. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. want you don't want any more than that. And they will come in and because if they know that you know what you're doing, they know they're not going to come in. Stagehands hate to do something twice because you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. So you tell them to do it one way, one thing, and then you got to come back. Oh no, guys, no, we got to move those nine thousand things over here now. Mm-hmm. They don't like that. Give them some direction. They they're there to work. They're there to help you. Okay. But they want to help you if you know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, then they're going to like, listen, man, we really don't want to work with this guy. You know? <laughs> and, but, you know, it, it's, all a, it's all a team thing. And if people understand that, when you go in buildings, it's just a job. It's mm-hmm. just you're doing it every day in a different place. Right. Well, um, I'm curious, since you've worked in it as a drummer as well as a stage manager for so long, what were some of the biggest changes you've seen over the decades as far as whether it's the concert or just how music was performed? What were some of the things that maybe even made your job easier as time progressed? 
or um technology mm -hmm. technology technology is taking it to a whole different level some things you have to learn over you have to learn new stuff because it doesn't work like that anymore yeah, yeah. it's just technology technology has come in and you know before you could get guys and just set up your equipment and plug it in and cool now they got to be a they got to know more about it than you. They got to know how to fix it. They got to know how to do this. They got to know everything. So when the artist comes in, and he says, well, man, I want this kind of sound. Then they know how to get it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's in most artists and don't stay up with the technology. The techs really have to stay up with the technology. Okay. So that, you know, that they know, Oh, well, Hey man, well, I got this brand new piece, man. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I know. I've been on YouTube with that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know how it goes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. You know, or whatever. So, I would say technology is the biggest change in the last ten years. You I, know, I think you're probably in the last twenty years. Cell phones, number one. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if, if it's the same for music industry, but on set, people always had on walkie talkies and headsets and so on. And now it's just iPhones or whatever smart device they text and, or even use the walkie talkie app, I guess on that to make it even quicker. But it, it was just funny just even seeing that difference because you didn't have to carry such a heavy battery device anymore. And um, so- and I, hate, and I hated radios and everybody knows me, knows that I hated radio. Yeah. I mean, they're necessary, but I hated radios. And my boss used to tell me, say, where your radio? Uh, it's in my box. Put your radio on, man. Put your radio on. I was okay. And I hated it. But, you know, it's because I'd rather walk. You walk all day. I, I walk everywhere. I'm watching what everybody's doing. If somebody has a problem, I'm a, you can, you don't have to call me on the radio. Just say my name. I'm going to be close by. Okay. I'm going to hear you. Yeah, so yeah. I just walk. Watch stuff. If I see stuff going sideways, yo, 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 we're not doing that. We're, it, I need to put the stuff over here today. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, you know, it's just, or, you know, but it ain't always what I say. It's like, mm -hmm. I go to them, hey, man, listen, we got a little problem. How do you, what do you want to do? What do you guys say? How do you want to solve it? Mm -hmm. Hey, because we're all there together. It isn't mm -hmm. like, oh, man, you better do what he says. No. It's like, we're doing it together. What works for you? If that works for me, fine. Okay. If it doesn't work for me, then let's, come up with something else that may not work for me because there's something happening later that they're not looking at. And I'm looking at it. I'm mm -hmm. looking at the whole picture. They're looking at what they do. Right, right. But they expect me to know what the whole picture is. It was like, like you said, like a puzzle. And mm -hmm. then when it comes time to put it together, then I'm not hee-hawing around and, and not sure. And it's like, okay, people come to you, they want an answer. Mm -hmm. They don't want, well, man, I don't know. They want an answer. <laughs> They right. take their time to come and ask you something. They want to walk away with an answer. Yep. Maybe it ain't the answer mm -hmm. they want, but they want an answer. Mm -hmm. So I just tried to do that and, uh, and you know, make it to the next day. Mm -hmm. The language is the biggest problem when you leave the country. Okay. Because <laughs> you have countries where people speak English, where they do speak English and so they know it, but they'll tell you that they don't. Because they figure they'll do less work if you, if uh, they don't know the language. Right. And we would go some places and, and, and I'd get an interpreter. Okay. okay. Because I needed, 
I needed people to know something, and I needed me to, to be able to hear me saying it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'd have to get an interpreter and say, okay, tell them to do so-and-so. A lot of them didn't. I'd always get a, a woman in Europe. Okay. Because Europeans don't like women telling them what to do. European men. I'm sorry, oh. European. So I would always get a lady to, to, to do it. So I said, tell them, go over there and tell them guys, I said, to move that over so-and-so. And she would go tell them, and they would look at her, and then i walk over there, and and I'd be like, excuse me? Okay. Oh, I and love they, it. They hated it, and I knew they hated it, so I would do it. Every time I got the chance to do it, I would do it. Okay. And <laughs> and just, you know, not a power trip, just like, you know what? No, y'all gonna listen to her. Yeah. Okay. You know, maybe she works with y'all every day, but today she's in charge. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it used to crack me up. I mean, she wouldn't do anything that I didn't say do, but if I want people to do something and I don't speak Italian and they act like they don't understand English, well, I need somebody to tell them in Italian. Right, right. Then sometimes you run into people that speak stagehands that speak English and Italian. If they don't know or the, the other language, then they would tell whoever it is. That you, oh, I tell them, don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. But I would say language and technology. Mm -hmm. Language is probably the roughest if you leave the country. If you're in the U.S., it ain't an issue. Right, right. When you're in South America or you're in Asia or, or Russia or Europe mm -hmm. or somewhere, mm -hmm. sometimes English ain't uh, the language. Right, you know, no. but you got to get the job done. Absolutely. So. Now, um, I had uh, Traymon Williams on, and he was telling me about an incident where I can't remember which artist he was working with, but they were overseas, and because of all the different um, tariffs and so on, they weren't allowed. They said they had to rent the equipment from the arena or something like that. And it wasn't anything remotely close to what they were used to working with. Has there ever been an incident, something similar like that that's ever happened with you guys or with any of your um, concerts you worked on? Well, you usually, unless you're a major, major, major group, you usually don't take your equipment mm -hmm. out of the country unless they don't have what you want. Okay. But the production manager makes sure that they have everything before you even, weeks before. Okay. He calls and gives them an equipment list. This is what we want. No substitutes. If you can't do it, call us, let us know. Mm. And, and uh, well, we did a gig in Kuala Lumpur. And we had this meeting when we got off the plane with everybody involved, all the companies, sound companies, light companies, setting this big ballroom and we had a meeting all of our guys all of their guys and make sure you got this you got that you got this you got that yep we got there. every answer was yep we got it we got it mm -hmm. we got there the next day they probably had 35 percent of what we needed <gasps> oh no they were going getting equipment musical equipment out of clubs okay i mean they were showing up with lighting stuff at four o'clock in the afternoon when we needed that at eight in the morning Oh, they no. were bringing stuff over in pickup trucks. It was like, now we just went through this meeting where you guys had everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get there now, they didn't have everything. I mean, it was like, that's one of them gigs where now you're working all day because, you know, they brought a guitar with, with no strings, no, no uh, uh, 
no cords, bought an amplifier with no cords, so you couldn't plug it in, no electric cord. Uh, they bring uh, drums, but they're all different colors, all different kinds of drums. They didn't even <laughs> save drums. From the, I mean, oh, wow. and you'd be like, whoa. Because a lot of times you don't have time to get your stuff from one place to another. Right. You're in okay. Kuala Lumpur one day and Bangkok the next day. Uh, unless you have a private plane, you're probably not going to get your stuff there by 8 o'clock in the morning. Mm. So you have to get rental gear. You know, like if you go to Europe, when we go to Europe, we would get one company out of London. And they would send one or two guys with, with the equipment and they would stay with us the whole time. We'd have the same band gear every day. Okay. We knew exactly what we had every day. Same with sound, but a lot of some places it ain't like that. Mm. And you have to you have to adapt and it ain't fun and you'd be cussing people out, you know, because holy you just told us we you had this and right. I mean it was Kuala Lumpur was crazy. I mean, I don't yeah. know what the deal was, but some places ain't prepared. Yeah. How did that concert turn out though? Did it did you guys well, still do it, it or okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, they the people didn't know right. that that uh you know that it was as jacked up as it was. They didn't know, but the yeah. I mean the musicians they get up there they're gonna do it. They're gonna do what they're supposed to do, mm-hmm. you know. And and the people will leave and they're happy and they guys have put on a great show. And the reward for the crew guys is the performance that the band gives. Mm-hmm. You know, if the band is your band is great and they go out there and they kill. That's what you want. That's why you worked all day mm-hmm. for them to do that. But if you work for a band and they and they're sloppy and it's crazy and they don't do it good and 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 you can't wait for them to finish, you'd be like, oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know because I I, th- I think you said you had worked on well with Luther Vandross. You had the opportunity to like Michael Jackson, maybe he was performing at the same time or some event where you guys were working together, if I remember correctly. Is that right? No, we never did a gig together. He might have came to one of the shows. Okay. We were out of the country, but we never we never worked we never worked together. Okay. You know, okay. I, never, I, I I had a friend of mine named Benny Collins which well known production manager. Well, he had me asked me to work Michael's rehearsals one time in L.A. because they were in L.A. Yeah. But I didn't do. I worked for him. I didn't do anything with with the show with anybody. Okay. My idea was he needed me to do stuff for him, and that's what I was doing. Okay. We didn't have nothing to do with it or nothing like that. You know. Well, I know you're kind of new to social media, but there's a video of Michael Jackson going around, or I think it's been a couple of years now, but where he is performing and I guess the music was looping. And so he keeps saying Benny, um, Benny, maybe not Benny, but now that you said that name, I, I think he said Ben, but um, he was like, Benny, Ben has no job. And he started singing the lyrics to um, it's like job gone and stuff. <laughs> like, it's really funny. I don't know if you ever seen it. I'll have to try to find it to send it to you. Cause I cracked up. Cause I was like, Oh, what a horrible moment to mess up on the king of pop live and he's like pretty much saying in the lyrics maybe the guest didn't know but i didn't know if you had ever had even a situation like that or um if you well, it's all yeah it's all electronic yeah 
Electronic, anything can happen. Mm -hmm. It can work perfect for four hours and just stop. Right. Okay. So, I mean, it's, and it's, you know, you're at the mercy of electronics a lot of times. Mm -hmm. You might have done everything correctly, but for some reason, that piece of gear just got a problem. Anything. Yeah. So, he, if he had a problem, he might have said Benny because he knew Benny was, if he called Benny's name, whatever's going to happen was going to get fixed. Whatever was going on. If he called somebody else, maybe not. Yeah, but almost positive. I remember thinking, oh, like his, um, his pet mouse was Ben. And so I just remember, that's why I'm thinking uh, it was Ben, but it might not have been. Or it could have been Benny. If he said Benny then it would have been Benny Collins. And believe me, whatever was going on, I'm sure it didn't go on long. Yeah. Because, you know, Benny hired all the best, he hired all the best people. Yeah. Their job is to, for it to be correct. Like Luther, Luther didn't even want a wrinkle in the curtain. Mm. No. He wanted the music perfect. He wanted the wardrobe perfect. He wanted everything that had to do with his show perfect. And no excuses. None of that, like, uh, I'll tell you one time in particular. Luther would only stop his, he would only have maybe two times in an hour and a half show where he could take water. Okay. So I'd have his water in a certain spot, and in, in, uh, it was a, 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 a tea and maybe a, a water or a towel. It was tea and, and a towel. And I'd have it in a certain spot every night. And he'd get to a certain point in the song. And there'd be a little longer break. Maybe Nat has a little longer intro with keys or something. And he'd walk over in the dark, grab it, hit the tee, blah, blah, blah. So one day the show started and I looked up and I didn't have the tee out there. I like, oh. oh, no. I said, okay. So I can't walk out there. That's out the question. Yeah. So I got the tee and the towel and I crawled underneath the stage on my hands and knees all the way up underneath the set. And I got all the way up underneath in the front, and then I reached over the top of the set and set the the tee and the towel there, and then I crawled back, and I was all dirty and everything. Yeah. And he had already seen that it wasn't there, cause he don't miss nothing. He already saw that it wasn't there. Yeah. Okay, but when it was time for him to turn around and go back there and do and do that, he turned around and it was there, and he looked over at me and smiled, cause he know like. Uh, I know that that's his only time to take a sip of whatever it is he wants, if it's tea or water. Yeah. And if he doesn't get it, then maybe it affects the next song he's going to sing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. All I know is my gig is to have that out there. And I, the show started, and they rolling. And I was like, oh, I forgot the tea. <laughs> so now that we know Luther Vandross' secret weapon is his tea breaks, what was his um, tea of choice? Do you remember? Because I didn't make it. The work. Oh, okay. Out. Yeah. No, You're just like, out. yeah. Okay. I was like, I didn't know if there was like a special voice warming tea <laughs> that he was uh, using, but uh, we'll have to find the wardrobe person then. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. you know, he would sing like maybe 45 or 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, you know, I mean, of course, you're singing, the throat may be dry. Yeah. So, uh, he would take a sip. He wouldn't stand back there and, and drink it like it. No, he would take no, a no. sip, wipe his face with the towel, turn around and go back out. Mm. And he might do it twice, depending on the song. Now, mm -hmm. if he has a wardrobe change, then he could do that in, 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 in the quick change. 
But if it's he, if he doesn't want to leave the stage, then he wants it there, but he don't want it. Yeah, I mean, he don't want it on a table sitting next to him. He right, wants it right. somewhere where he can walk over to it out of the spotlights, right. do it, and walk back. Right. But he, he uh, I learned more with him than anybody because mm. he was the kind of guy, he knew everything about his show. Mm. He knew how he wanted the lights to look. He knew how he wanted the sound to be. He knew how he wanted the stage to be. He knew how he wanted the choreography. He knew everything. It wasn't like, oh, he just come and sing and he leave that to somebody else. No, mm-hmm. he knew it all. Mm-hmm. Wow. And he made sure that it was all done. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. What, what you didn't want was him to walk out and say, hey, man, what's that? Well, why is that like that? Yeah. So you don't, because you ain't got no answer. Right. So, you know, it's like, uh, no. Uh, my my thing has always been: if you do it right the first time, you only have to do it one time. Exactly, exactly. So that's always been my thing. You do it right the first time, you can walk away from it, mm-hmm. and you know it's good. But if you don't do it right, then yeah, you're probably gonna go back. Yeah. Okay. Well, and- I want to make sure we get a chance to talk about your new album again as well. But I have to bring this up because you've worked with so many great performers. Can you just like real quickly? I bring up someone that you worked with and you just share a memory you have about them. So I, Sheila E, that's the first one that comes to my mind. I worked for Sheila for, I did Marvin Gaye with Sheila. Okay. I did uh, Lionel Richie. Wow, Richard. Marvin Gaye. And I did, uh, yeah. um, um, they had three percussionists with Marvin. Okay. And I wasn't originally, I wasn't on the tour. I came at the very end because one of the guys left the tour. Okay. So, uh, I my job was to deal with these three percussion players, and she was one of them. You know, that's when I met her. Mm. And then um, we did Lionel Richie together, and then we did her thing together. Mm-hmm. And then when she left to go do Purple Rain, I basically went to do others. Because I still was doing Luther. Okay. Okay, I still, Luther was my main gig. I, you know, and I tried to work around everything you know but he was you know if he he called then it's like okay well i need to stop mm-hmm. but i would always let them know hey i'm going to go out for 10 weeks with this artist and it just so happened that they didn't really conflict with each other mm-hmm. but uh you know i can't think of one artist that i work with that that i regretted no i'm not gonna say that but i'm not gonna say who it was either but <laughs> No worries. I won't. I know you're still in the industry, so we won't do that. But I was just thinking of you being a drummer yourself, working with Sheila E. Had to be a treat. So I was just curious. Because um, she's great, yeah. and, and she uh, just watching her was mind blowing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I used to mess with her. I used to climb up the back of the riser when she was doing her solo. Mm-hmm. And and nobody could see me because it was made like an L, and I would and I would climb up inside him, and I say, "Is that all you got tonight?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what up? You know? <laughs> I, I would I would mess with her because she she was like my my little sister. Oh, okay. how fun! All her family, and, yeah. And that's how our relationship was. We were we like friends. Yeah. But she was like. You know, she's like my little sister. So, you know, I'm, doing, I'm taking care of all this stuff. So, yo, you know, it's like, I'm, you know, making sure that she's good. Yeah. You know, 
but I had a good I had a good time with her. We uh and we're still friends, mm-hmm. you know. But I went on to do other stuff, and she went on to do other stuff. And yeah. I've seen her a few times, but not that many. Yeah, towards the end of the show, because I don't want to risk any problems, I'll post some of the pictures that you have on your Facebook with her as well. Because I was just like, oh, of course, she has pictures with Sheila E. Because I mean, I grew up listening to her. She's the reason why I wanted to play drums, but my parents wouldn't let me. Still well, not better. Well, maybe because now I'm like, I, you know, I actually looked on um, guitar. What's the name of the store? Whatever the guitar center, the guitar center, and looked at prices for drums because I was I expected them to be really expensive. But then when I saw, I was like, oh wait, I might be able to do this one day. I don't know. We'll see. Well, and you know, Ivan is the yeah. He's like the teacher of life. For, I mean, so, you know, you can take, I'm taking lessons. I'm taking classes with him. Oh, okay? really? Oh, okay. you know, because Ivan is just like, I mean, he's like just totally full of knowledge, totally full of, of, of all the drums and percussion stuff. And I mean, and he, and he has a way of, everybody can play, can't teach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you know how to do something, it don't mean you can teach somebody else to do it. That's true. But he has patience. I said, man, where do you get that patience from, mm-hmm. man? Mm-hmm. I know he's, if you're not doing it right, then he, you know, he knows how to talk to you to make you do it. Like he'd be a good head coach. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, for I'm... a team or something. Because he's always, you know, he's always smiling, he's laughing, and he, and he makes you want to do it right. Yeah. He told me, he said, man, you've been holding your drumstick 50 years the wrong way. Oh, wow. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ain't the way you want. I said, "What?" He said, "Yeah, you got bad habits, but everybody has bad habits." Yeah. So, Ivan is like, uh, um, "What you've had him on your show?" I did. I'm gonna have his son tomorrow on my show too. He's also a drummer. If you want to play, if you want to play drums, just hit Ivan up. I just might because he's he's just a hop and a skip from me. But like you mentioned, I can do a Zoom class with. Yeah, that's 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 what he does. That's yeah. because he can't have people in his school now. Right. So he's does he, he does and he teaches kids like from five and six years old up to twenty. Oh fantastic. Wait. You think I'm twenty? I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well I mean I mean, you know, he has like high uh, grade school. He's got kids. Yeah. I went to his school one time. We were in Raleigh, we had a day off. Okay. So I went over to his school and I sat there and them little kids were coming in there. Their drumsticks, two feet high, three feet high, okay, and sitting down in the room with him and playing. He said, man, watch this guy. Watch this guy that's coming in now. Check this guy out. Yeah, yeah. He'd have them playing drum sets, and I mean, and they would be rocking and reading and be like eight years old, nine years old. <sighs> um, and I'd sit out there and I'd talk with their parents because their parents bring him and stay for, it's only a 30-minute session, and they'd right. be like, Man, my son is so excited. All he does is play. This is what he does all the time, period. Oh, wow. And because, you know, you you want to play, but, you know, you have to learn the right way. Mm-hmm. And the right way is to really go to school somewhere, mm-hmm. get some kind of instruction. You can learn it on your own. Everybody, a lot of people learn it on your own, but you're limited. Yeah, my mom is in the comments. So she's like, what parent would not let you 
Well, the thing was we moved around so much that they kind of like talked me out of it because like, you can't take your drum set with you. I went to 26 different schools. So I ended yes. up going with a flute and um, the viola because it was a lot easier to travel with. So, but I wanted to do drums and then my dad ended up, he had a Congo set. So I would play with that. And right. the, um, oh, I can't think of the name now, but it's like the smaller version of Congo's. They had bongos. Bongo. They had that and the thumb pianos and different things. So I played with those as a kid, but I never had like formal education in it. So my daughter at one point, she was interested in it. And I just happened to see this really fancy drum machine. It wasn't Roland, but it was some name that I knew was good for electrical equipment. So I got it for her because it was like $15 or something. And she seemed to be really into it. And I would play with it as well. And of course, I was like, yay, I got, if she takes lessons, maybe I'll learn too, right? And then finally, middle school comes around. She's been talking about drums or flute, drums or flute. Because, of course, um, I can't think of that. Um, Lizzo, with her being a flute player, I, you know, we were both kind of like, oh, I used to play the flute and talking and so on. So then she was like, I think I'll do the flute instead. I was like, kind of like. Do you really? Why not the drums? <laughs> you know? But needless to say, she decided that she didn't want to do either because you kind of had to decide. If you went with band, that's all you got. And the band teacher didn't really rub her the right way. Right. Other people were letting her know that he can be a little, or maybe it was even a she, I don't remember, but can be a yeller. And she was like, nope, not interested anymore. So right. maybe we'll try again now that... Well, Virtually learning, anyway. I think a lot of a lot of musicians probably start out with one instrument, and mm -hmm. maybe they really stick with it, and then maybe it's like, well, that's not really. I like it, but mm -hmm. I'd rather do that. Mm -hmm. And they and they change, and maybe they go to something else. I think a lot of, a lot of uh, musicians do that. Maybe they play what's around them. Mm -hmm. You know, if they grow up in a musical family. Yeah then maybe that's what you play. And if you don't grow up in a musical family, then maybe you have friends to do it. If you really want to do that, but I'm sure there's a whole lot of people that never played at all mm -hmm. and uh, uh, could probably be another Miles Davis if they had. Right, right. But they weren't in a position to do it and they didn't, maybe they were doing something else. Well, you know, even but. I was talking to my niece, well, she's technically my cousin, but she's so much younger than me. I call her my niece. And she was telling me her school, her school's area, their budget lost like $400,000 and they cut all art programs except, uh, and I think band, they cut, of course, because they can't afford the instruments and so on. I was just like, wow, that's so tough. Because, I mean, they had band, I went to the same school for a little while, or the, at least lived in the same county. And um, we had band there. I did a, I don't remember. Oh, I took theater. Uh, so <laughs> now I remember, I'm like, oh, yeah, I was in all the plays. So I took theater there instead. But um, I was curious. It's sad if you don't get exposed to it in school, that might be your only option to even get to learn about instruments or play instruments. I mean, I was lucky that my mom was a piano player. I think all of my aunts and uncles actually play the piano. So it was like a requirement. I took piano first. It didn't stick. Little did we know I was dyslexic. So that probably had a lot to do with it. But um, with even with uh, the flute and with the viola, I would just 
learn to play it by ear because I couldn't really read music because of my dyslexia, which I didn't know that was why at the time because I wasn't um, told like until my college year that I had it. But oh, okay. uh, so I was just like, I feel like drums I could possibly still do and be dyslexic and not be an issue. I'll have to look into that. But there's ways Ivan. now to find a way. Yeah. I'm telling you, Ivan. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to I look mean, into it. I mean, you know, he's, He's the only person I know that has a school and does that. There's a whole lot of musicians that teach at schools and universities and stuff like that, but I don't know anybody that has a, a, a school, yeah. you know, and, and and I've been there. It ain't just some jive thing. I mean, it's like for real. Yeah, yeah. Okay? And I mean, those kids come out of there and they've learned something, Yeah. you know, and... Uh, That's important. Uh, yeah, I would... Uh, Call him up. Yeah, well, and I love that such young kids are getting encouraged in doing it too. Like that's okay. Ooh, all right, six fifty-seven. So we got to talk about um, timeless. Your new jazz CD, a little bit more this time as well. Uh, so just share like when it's coming out, how it how it came about as well. Well, it it uh, uh, me and Skip uh, have been friends since Luther. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're both from Ohio, and uh, he was a he was a jazz drummer and a jazz organist mm. before he started, you know, doing R and B and stuff like that. So when we met back in '82, you know, you know, I told him what I did. He told me what he did before then, you know. And we said, "Oh yeah, man, we ought to do a record one day." Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, after 15 years being with Luther, I left and went someplace else, and. And I would talk to him, but we wouldn't see each other. Mm -hmm. So then uh, I decided that I wanted to do a record. And I saved the money. And uh, I called him and asked him if he would help me because I knew he knew how to do it, and I didn't. So he said yes. So uh, we picked out some songs, and we decided to go in and, and, and try to do them. You know, and they came out pretty good. We did five songs. We had planned to do more, but time and money was in the way okay. so uh, we're getting some action from it now uh, it's never been on the charts uh, but I did have it on a, a, a music exposure review kind of like chart where you send them your songs and they play it and people can listen to them and they can comment on them and, and we had like 65,000 plays in a year wow. so that's a thousand a week yeah. So I was like, well, maybe we should do something. Yeah. Maybe, you know, I mean, and, and this was just last year. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, let me see what we can do. Maybe we can put it out somewhere. So uh, my attempt was to put it on this smooth jazz station. They wouldn't take it because they said it wasn't smooth jazz. It was straight ahead jazz. It wasn't smooth jazz. Their jocks wouldn't play it. Hmm. You had to go to a real jazz station to do it. So... Then with my contacts with Earth, Wind, and Fire, I got hooked up with a guy that worked with them uh, when they started putting out their first records. Mm -hmm. And he agreed to help us. And uh, he's a marketing promotion guy. His name is Ted Joseph. Okay. And then um, he said, well, you need a team. You need a social media person. You need a, record, a radio station person. And you need a marketing and promotion guy. So we got these three people. And... Uh, we're kind of looking at 
we were kind of looking at the end of August on a release, okay. but I don't know if it's going to be the end of August. It kind okay. of depends on a whole a few little other things, but uh, we're going to try to get it out there and see what happens. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we just want the music out there. We're not trying to be millionaires because that ain't going to happen. It's jazz. But we just want to get it out there, and everybody says they like it. It's refreshing, and it's yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, it's like the jazz that that we all grew up liking. And, and I used to play with Richard Groove Holmes, which is a jazz organist, okay, a real jazz organist. Mm -hmm. And Skip has played with a whole bunch of people, and so we know we. I, I played drums in that era. I'm not like a guy that, oh, I heard about it. No, I ain't hear about it. I was there playing with these cats, you know, in the mm -hmm. '60s and the '70s. I was playing in clubs in the 60s. I was 15 years old, and I'm playing jazz wow. in clubs, you know? So we just wanted to bring that. We mm -hmm. wanted to bring like we did, like it's a record from the 60s, but it's now. Great, okay. So people like it. We like it. I mean, and we'll see what happens, Yeah. you know? Now, um, all right, I'm going to test it since it's 7 o'clock. We made it if it doesn't work out, but... There's, I have pictures of you with Skip Anderson from, I guess, when you, when you guys were a little bit younger, starting out working together. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, that's Luther pictures. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's with you with Skip Anderson. And then, um, I love this picture because it screams 80s and I didn't live in America during the 80s. So I just. Love everything '80s. Hold on, let me. Let me <laughs> this other one. The hair alone, like, like, I was on the phone with you when I first saw it, so I was like, "Oh wow, it's it's the Pointer Sisters." But you're like, "Nope, that's the backup singers for um, Luther Vandross." And so, but that, I mean, wow, just the costumes, the hair. Uh, you're still there. It's yeah. just I was showing yes. it bigger. Okay. Yeah. They well, Luther had like uh, five or six people that sung. Okay. Some people were on stage. Some people were not on stage. Mm -hmm. They were still right there with everybody. But when he started doing the end of the round where it was just him on a, on a round stage, then everybody sat in the pit. Okay. And the girls would go up and, 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 uh, and there was also Kevin Owens. And these are just three. This had to have been in like maybe... 90 or something like that wow. okay but he had you know he had the, the 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 ladies that he started out singing with when we when i was with him in 82 when we when he first started uh touring were different from these ladies and then the one in the middle alpha to she was uh sheik's lead singer she became one of the ladies and he kind of switched up background singers a lot but this was them getting ready to go on stage and I went to get him out the dressing room and they were sitting on, actually sitting on the side because they all had their microphones. And I went over there and somebody took a picture. I don't know who took the picture. but <laughs> Yeah, the I photographer was... never gets remembered. That's <laughs> that's one of the downsides of being a photographer, I think, because you're behind the lens. Nobody's paying as much attention sometimes. Um, now, say that again. I was young then. Oh yeah, like, you, know, you were you were having a lot of fun back then too. Just I can oh, see yeah. why they called you popcorn. Even in this picture, you can tell you're so much smaller than the um, women in the picture. 
Well, okay. I'm on I'm I'm on my knees. They're sitting in chairs. No, I mean just like even thinness wise. Oh yeah. 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 They got all furs and yeah. and yeah, but yeah, of course. I don't I didn't have no you know, hey, I'm I'm just me. I'm just like, what can I call myself? I call myself a slim guy. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I consider myself a slim most of the, well, pre-coronavirus. <laughs> so now, of course, I had to bring up one of my idols, Hugh, here with Sheila E. So I was just, they can still hear you. I just wanted to make sure they could see a close-up of the picture and see you right, well, there's kind of a guy in between you, but then I think that's you right next to her in the black or brown jacket. Oh, you can't hear me. Oops. I was hoping you could still hear me, but guess not. Can you I hear can me? Hear you. Oh. Okay. Um, yeah, so I was curious, is that you in the brown jacket? Uh, I'm second from the left. Okay, yeah. I, I was like, I'm not sure if it's brown or black. Right, I'm sorry. So it's, I can't remember the guy, uh, the guy that's right on the, right next to me on my right. He was one of the crew guys and it's me. Then it was a keyboard tech. His name is Chris Lander. Mm -hmm. Then it was Sheila. Then it was uh, Lance Jackson, KC. I think he did guitars. And then the guy on the right, on the next to him, I'm trying to think, I don't remember his name, but either did lights or sound, one of those. Mm, okay. And we just took a picture. You know, yeah. it's and even that, like her whole wardrobe is just, I don't know, the little oh, yeah, girl she, in me. Yeah, she was jazzy. Yeah, it was yeah. just so cool to see a woman playing drums because there's not many. I would say there's not many drummers that are well known that especially women drummers like, of course, like some like Beyonce is known to have an all female band when she's performing sometimes and. Um, I can't think of the guy now, but the one-handed drummer, everybody knows about him. I think he's with Led Zeppelin or. Right. Yeah. I don't know. But there, I mean, you don't normally get to know a lot of the bandmates. And so for her to see her go from working as a bandmate and then getting her own, um, solo career going, it's just like, wow. So I just. Yep, she deserved it. She worked hard. Yeah. I mean, you know, she came, she came from a music family. Right. You know. Uh, her father's big time. He's always been big time. Pete Escovito. Right. He's always been big time. So, Huge you know, of course, music. you have that influence in your house. Yeah. And you have groups like Azteca and Santana and stuff like that rehearsing in your house. And you're a kid and you're growing up and it's all right there in front of you. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you, it's easier for you to pick up. And say, well, I want to do that. And you're seeing it and you're in this pros that are showing you it's just not, right. you know, a garage band. It's just these are pros. So, you know, she she learned all the right stuff and she uh and she can play. Mm -hmm. She can play and she and plays she can sing. She plays a drum set as good as she plays percussion. Mm -hmm. I mean, because she plays percussion. She's really a, I don't know if I could say she's really a percussionist. Because she plays timbales and kungas and bongos and, and all of that very well. But mm -hmm. she also plays drums, mm -hmm. you know. But uh, she's, uh, and she plays guitar and bass and probably piano and oh, sing. Wow. Yeah, she, she do everything. Of course. Wow. So impressive. 
even more impressive. And of course, there's you um, get perform or not performing, um, recording your album for Timeless. Yeah. yeah. So I again, these this has been fun for me to go down memory lane with you with your pictures and um, even someone in my well, my mom is saying great photos. So I was glad that oh, you great. told me about that you had posted some pictures and I could steal some. <laughs> to right. include for today so i was like oh how do you choose and i was scared to choose too many because i wanted to um i thought i downloaded and i kept looking for it and i didn't want to look distracted while you were talking but i thought i had downloaded the one with um you and the guy from earth wind and fire fire um verdine and carnell and them but i guess i just saved the website of it and yeah it did not go well so yeah because i put that picture up we went to uh Myron McKinley, who's their keyboard player, okay. band leader, he's got his own CD out. So he had a, a, a CD release party and we went. Oh, fun. You know? So the lady that you saw in the picture, her name is Marie. She's the one that did the booklet. She's the one that does all the artwork. Uh, okay. okay. She, like, she does movies. She is a fabulous photographer. So she came and, and uh, uh, um, uh, one of my real good friends, Melvin, came in and went together. And then Carnell came and then Bertine was already there. So we just all sat together, oh, you know. Oh, that's so neat. But I don't yeah. usually socialize with artists. I don't, that's one of my things I don't do. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I you know, when you see me, you're paying me. <laughs> I know okay. that. That's a, I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to, I ain't going to hang out. Yeah. I mean, it just goes for every artist I'd never worked for. I don't, I ain't trying to hang out. I ain't trying to be your friend. I ain't trying to call you all this. Nope. I ain't doing that. Okay. I'm an employee. Okay. You know, what made and you we, create that boundary was like, did you notice that it was just safer for your career or for your job or just, yeah. Cause people, cause people think, oh, you're getting good with the artist. No, it ain't about that. Cause mm -hmm. they don't, they didn't hire you for that. They hire you to do something. They want you to do that. They don't want you all up in their face, skinning and grinning all the time. They don't mm -hmm. want that. Mm -hmm. You know? I mean, they want to, you know, be able to talk to you and have regular conversations with you like a human being, but they don't want you all up, you know, want to take pictures all the time and all that. They ain't trying to do that. Oh, well, now it's like that's all people seem to do is have selfies after selfie. And I'm still weird about selfies. I don't, I don't know. I guess we, I like taking pictures on set if, I'm allowed, of course. If anything, I like the rap party is where I'll take pictures because everybody's having a good time, fun. And it's not necessarily the stars yeah. that I'm like the people I worked with more so that nobody would really know other unless they became famous, I guess. But um, it's more about just the memories, because sometimes that's the only proof you have if you end up on the, on the um, editing floor when it comes to right. acting right. anyway. But I have more pictures of other people than I have on myself of myself. Period. Right. Yeah. Right. And 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 me too. A lot of pictures that I had people sent to me that they took. I was like, oh, well, I didn't even know, didn't even know you took that picture. But I just, you know, I mean, I like all the artists I've ever worked with. It's just, I just think on a professional tip. I mean, if you work at a bank, you ain't hanging out at the bank manager's house. Mm -hmm. You you know, you see him at work mm -hmm. when you ain't at work. Okay. Well, listen. Okay. I'll see you next time. I'm. You know. I just. I always just thought it was better to be stay in my lane. Yeah. Yeah. Do what my job what my job is, you know.
Now, just one last question. It's 712. So thank you for everyone that's still staying with us or hanging tough with us. Wink, wink. Um, but I'm you know, you worked with also these performers that had a large following of females as well, whether it was Luther Vandross or with um, New Kids on the Block. Like, I just remember back in the day, like, it was craziness, almost to the same level, I guess, Michael Jackson in a way. What was that like for you working around that? Or did you even have to deal with any of that drama of people trying to sneak in to meet the artist or um, different things of that nature? Well, I don't do security. And I make it a right. point that I don't do security. No, I know. But I mean, just... I, don't have, I don't have anything to do with that. But like we would get the buildings with new kids and... Uh, we might arrive at four o'clock in the morning and there's 7,000 girls in the parking lot thinking when we pull up on the 10 buses we have, they think the new kids are on those buses. Right. And they're hollering and screaming and they're not on the buses. Now there's police out there then because there's so many, and this would happen in every city. If they found out what hotel you was in, they're all around the hotel. I mean, it was just, and it'd be little kids and their moms and, and they would be so loud during the show, you couldn't even sometimes hear the music. Mm. And I had never been around, I've been around adults. I hadn't been around kids, Okay, you know, at, at concerts. I mean, I always worked for an adult group. So it was kind of like, wow. And it was every day. And when wow. we did stadium shows, you're talking 50 or 60,000 people. And I, and 95% mm. of our, our, our females and, and, you know, and they just, because they loved those kids and those kids were like, they were smart. They knew how to be marketed. They made money and they entertained, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, when I got the call to do them, I got referred by somebody and the guy called me and asked me, he said, listen, uh, uh, I have a group, we're getting ready to go out on tour and and uh, I heard about you and I don't know if you're, if you're interested. And I said, who's the group? And he told me, and I said, I don't do opening acts. <laughs> and, and he said, oh, no, we're not opening that. And I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, do I have to give you an answer today? And he said, no. I said, okay, well, let me, let me, let me, let me see what's happening. How long is it going to be? So he told me. I said, okay, I'll reach back out to you tomorrow. So I got off the phone. And so I called a couple people. I said, man, who is New Kids on the Block? Oh, you ain't never heard of them? I said, no. Who that is? <laughs> and then, oh, then the next thing I'm like, uh, really? So then he called me, told me what the money was, and told me how, you know what it was about. And I was like, okay, so I took the job. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know nothing about him, not a thing. Okay, and uh, we all became friends because I worked together. You know, I didn't hang out with him, but yeah, yeah. you know, and you know. I mean, they were cool to work with. I mean, it was just like, I had never seen an audience like that before. No. Yeah. And I haven't seen that since. Okay. So, and I never did Michael Jackson. Maybe he did that. Maybe Janet had audiences like that. I'm sure Taylor Swift and all of them had those audiences, but coming from RB, mm -hmm. uh, no, you wouldn't, you wouldn't having that. Okay. okay. You know, so. But it was, they were they were cool. They were they were good to work with, and and I have 
I might have seen them once or twice because I think we did a gig in Boston. And uh, it might have been Earth, Wind, and Fire, and a couple of them came, and I saw them backstage, you know. And uh, But other than that, you know, I got a whole bunch of memorabilia there that I thought was going to be worth something. And then they came back out and went back on the road. I was like, okay, well, so much for that. Well, at least you got the original I had... stuff. I remember oh, it. I... Yeah. I got the original stuff. I mean, I got yeah. the tour jackets. I got, I got all of the stuff that they that they gave us. Yeah, you know, we bought it all, man. Thirty years from now, this be worth some money. Yeah, it it might be worth something, but it ain't worth what it would have been if they never came back out and they'd uh, just stopped it then. Okay, then it would have been like they'd all been collectors' items. Now I don't know if they're collectors' items, but you know, they they're in the closet. Well, if you ever, you know, want to get rid of some things, I know a girl who was um, a big fan. <laughs> and it's funny, like, they I don't think they came to Raleigh or they didn't come anywhere. My parents w weren't really fans of me going to concerts because we just, you have to buy them so far in advance. And we just never knew where we were going to be living. But there was one year, um, I think it was Marky Mark and maybe New Kids maybe New Kids on the Block as well, but I definitely know Marky Mark was there or was supposed to be there, but they canceled it while we were in line waiting to go in. Really? So I never got to see them. Yeah, I don't know why. Like looking back, I don't remember what happened because I was probably in 10th or 11th grade. Because but... he, he was on the tour, the second tour Okay. he was on. Okay. The first so tour, had, they had another little opening act. The second time we went out for the big stadium tour, he was the opener. Okay. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, he was the opening act. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I don't, I, I know that, I mean, it wasn't any place that they didn't go. So I, uh, I they know. didn't go to Raleigh's because they were in Charlotte. Right. Okay. I, yeah, I mean, I think it was canceled. Because we were in line like to go in and it was or postponed or something. And I just maybe I didn't get to make it to the second version or whatever. I don't even I don't even remember that part that we did a show that went all the way to people coming and it was canceled. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that would have been, but it might not have had anything to do with us. No, I mean, it could have been the know? location or so yeah, many other I mean, factors. And I think it was we, like a we, snowstorm. <laughs> Yeah, if 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 we're all the way to the point where the people are in line, then I don't I don't know what could happen. We've had a couple mm. gigs, but it wasn't with them where there were bomb threats. Mm. And so one one time it was with the Isley Brothers, the next time it was Earth Wind and Fire, and they had to empty out the building. And and I don't even think I think the Isleys might have got a chance to start their show, okay. but the bomb threats came during the show. And they stopped the show and, and made everybody leave so they could bring the bomb squad in. And then one was in Tucson, and I don't think we ever got to do the show. It was right before the show. Yeah. And there was a bomb threat, and that was what Earth Went and Fire. And mm. uh, uh, it was one o'clock in the morning before they let us back in the building to load out, to get everything that we had set up to get it out. Because they had dogs, they, you know, I mean, they, I mean, they had to check the whole entire building everywhere the trucks cars anything nearby what a pain so, yeah 
I mean, considering oh, yeah. it wasn't true, but still. Right. But, you know, and people do that stupid stuff, you know, and, you know, but people, you know, they, they have to take it serious. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Somebody calls in something, they can't say, oh, no, that probably ain't real. No, they got to take it serious. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, I don't know what that was, but he was absolutely on one of the one of the tours, okay. the second one. Yeah, I don't, not I, the first one. I, I can't even. Oh, go ahead. The group with the on the first one. Yeah, um, I don't even remember who it was. It seemed like it was two groups, mm. but they didn't have bands. They went to track. Okay. Then like was some girls, and then it was somebody else. I'm thinking. Well, it might have only been one. I'm not sure. I've, I had like, it was like a year. I almost felt like I was cursed because that's either that same year or the following year, I went to go see Janet Jackson in St. Louis and for Black Cat. And they showed even the new music video that wasn't released yet and then canceled the show. Wow. So we were inside already. Like I definitely bragged to all my friends I was going and I was like, never again. I'm not telling anyone until <laughs> like that was it. But yeah. I never did. I never did a Janet show, even though I did the control video. Oh wow! I got a call that they wanted to show. They wanted the video to look live. Okay. And so they called me because I knew uh, uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, mm -hmm. and I got a call where I come and make it look live. So I went and set all the equipment up and I had a conversation with her where she wanted me to, you know, she wanted to be in one place. She wanted them to be here and all that. And I'd set everything up to make it look like they were really, really playing, but they weren't. All right. Okay. But, you know, uh, and I did that, um, but I never did the tour. With them, okay. You know, okay. I never got to do that. So, but it's all right. Cause I was doing something else. Yeah. It happens, right? I, I know in the entertainment industry, it's always about, it doesn't matter what you've done, it's what you're doing next. So I can get it. You're like, oh, on to the next check, the next job. And my mom just mentioned that her first concert was Earth, Wind, and Fire in 1972 in Greensboro, North Carolina. I wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that was before your time, but you said you started playing drums at 14. So I was like, well, I don't think that's well, yeah, but, 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 but I I didn't started working for them in '97. Oh, okay, okay. I started working for them in '97, and I stayed to 2018. Okay. You know, but yeah, I didn't. Uh, matter of fact, I didn't even know nothing about them. I had never even seen them live mm -hmm. when I started working for them. Oh wow! Well, I haven't I never seen, seen them. I, I might have seen them on TV, but yeah, same. You know, I I, I never saw them. Mm. You know. Uh, and so that was different, but mm -hmm. wow. Well, again, I uh, thank you so much for your time with me today and going a little bit over time so I could ask more questions for my own <laughs> curious nature about some of my favorite um, singers and performers and just knowing you were there to give that insight. It was, it was a real treat for me. I, I really appreciate you doing this again with me today. Oh, well. Thank you for, for having me here again. I mean, you know, I know we had those technical problems before, but I didn't think he was going to call me back right away. Say, whoa, because I know I was just sitting there for probably a half hour like this. <laughs>
And I had no clue. That's why I was like, oh, I was mortified once you told me that because I was like, I gotta make this up to you because I mean, yeah. I didn't want you to have a bad experience with me. So. No, no, I didn't have one. I knew because of technology, and I know mm -hmm. that's what technology does, and it and it does it on all levels. Ow. So it isn't like uh, you didn't have your thing together. It's just technology, and sometimes it just take that time. Okay, well, I think I'm not going to work now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even like today before you came on, you know, I was telling you we were having issues where you kind of look buffered. It's funny, after a while, you went completely as if you were right next to me almost. And then for like a second, you would be buffered. And then you were right back to normal. I was like, I'm never going to do all that again, making people move around. <laughs> I don't think it can no, 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 no. just let it sit sometimes. It'll work its way out too. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, you know, it's your show. So you know how you want it to be. I'm like, uh, how many times have I done this? Twice? <laughs> So, you know, I'm like, talk about new kid on the block. Oh, yeah, that's me. Okay, yeah. I'm trying to figure this all out. So I'm like, okay, they said, you got to do this. Before this record comes out, I'm like, okay. Well, so I you're going to get skipped too, right? Well, I mean, I guess like I can have it back again. You guys let me know when your radio, I'm mean, not your radio, when your album is officially out so we can do it again with both of you guys. Maybe technology will be better than again. Yeah, I mean, you know, but we, you, you know, we, this was good. And when I'm doing it on an iPad too, not a computer, because my computer's all locked up with Pro Tools. Okay. So uh, maybe by then I have a, I'll have that one freed up or I have another one. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, but it, it's such a pleasure. You're going to have fun with IEG, with IRG tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it, especially with, having a dad i had his dad on and i have him and at some point i'll have his other brother on as well who also plays drums i'm just so fascinated by all of that it's family that works in the same industry doing the same thing like that's just really cool they all work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean they all work so i mean you know they they all work mm -hmm. which is good but you know he sets such a good example yeah you know and uh so you know, with with him and his career, all they do is look at him and say, "I want to do that." Yeah, yeah. And and he just showed them how to do it. Mm -hmm. So it's like you know, they came in, they came in working, mm -hmm. which was good. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah. But you know, you should be a student of his for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna look into it. I really think I'm gonna just wait and see. You and your daughter do it together. Then you only gotta buy one set of drums. Exactly, and she'll think it's hers. <laughs> I'll just have to find a way to do it quietly so she doesn't try to take it away from me. But anyway, again, thank you so much for spending this extra time with me today. And I really appreciate it so much. It was such a joy. And make sure you guys go out and check out their album, Timeless, as soon as it comes out. I'll definitely post the links whenever it is, whether it's the end of August or push back a little bit more because we're definitely starving for new music, new movies, new TV shows. Like we're starting to run out of the internet, I think. Yeah, there was like, there's nothing. I think I've seen every Perry Mason, every Twilight Zone. <laughs> I didn't see every one, okay? So stuff I don't even watch, I'm watching now. Yeah, 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 same. Yeah, this is the, this is the time to get something out. You know, uh, we'll see what happens. And also I got a, which Byron Miller, who was Luther's bass player and George Duke's bass player, 
his uh, single came out yesterday. Oh, called Real Love. Okay. So, uh, and it's our, it's probably be number one. His last single was number one. So it'll probably be a number one. I think it came out with, with a bullet or something this time. I it. So it just hit the chart today. Oh, wow. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, you have to just uh, Google Byron Miller. He's got a he's got a history of four days. Okay, so history so, of four days is that what you said? All that uh, all that George Duke stuff, Dukey stick and all that. That's all him. Oh, wow. That's okay. all Byron. Okay, so and then he spent ten or twelve years with Luther. You know. Oh, wow. So uh, yeah, and his record is out now. You know, and. Uh, I, have to, I, I just want to say one thing. Mm -hmm. The saxophone player, whose name is George Harper Jr., on the CD, passed away last year. Oh, okay. And the mastering guy that I got, his name is Danny Leak. He passed away a couple months ago. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. I just wanted to give a shout out to them two because they were very instrumental in what, what happened with the CD. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. um, definitely, you know. Well, first of all, I'm sorry for your loss, and I'm sure the family has some solace in being able to hear their music again whenever this out. Well, I'm sure they already heard it by now, but just being able to hear him again, I'm sure they love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and he's George. Uh, you know, uh, he did years and years and years of Ray Charles and some mm -hmm. of everybody. So I mean, he's like very well known saxophone player and great. He walked into the session. And played everything. He played every. He played everything. He played everything that we wanted him to play. Probably within four hours. Wow. We cut all the rhythm stuff, and then we brought him in on the last on the last day. And Skip had everything written out he wanted him to play. No problem. Uh -huh. Okay. So, but I wanted to give a shout out to you know for him and his family and to Danny Leak, which was a very good friend of mine. I did. A bunch of other tours with him. Mm -hmm. He was Stevie Wonder's uh, front of house guy for a long time. Okay, uh, very well known engineer, master and engineer, and guitar player from uh, Chicago. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, again, I'm sorry about that um, for their loss and to their family as well. Right. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I'm sure that I don't. I don't know who. If they'll ever see this, mm -hmm. but I'm gonna try to reach out to Danny's my wife so she can see it. Okay. You know, cause you know he was the guy. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I'm glad they've been on your show. This was, uh, and I'm still here. I love it. No, oh, well, you just let me know when you guys want to come back because I love hearing your stories, and I know you have decades and decades more to share. And as soon as you get off, you'll think of more things that we can talk about next time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want, Camille, okay? Music uh, to my ears. <laughs> now if I get my daughter to hear, hear you say that. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, again, thanks again for being my guest, and I hope you have a great rest of your week and that your um, apartment is stays cricket-free because that's why the guys were there. <laughs> yes, wear your mask. Stay well. Stay six feet away. 20-second hand washing. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah uh stay safe okay and uh uh i keep watching you on your uh show well i appreciate it i really do 
You have a good one. Cool. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. What fun. Oh my gosh. Those pictures, right? I don't know. I got, um, I'll try to see about posting more of his pictures. If I can find that one. It's so weird that it um, recorded the website or that it saved the website instead of the picture. But anyway, technology. So again, tomorrow I will have um, Aiji. I know I'm butchering his name. Ayaji, Ayaji Hampton, who's Ivan Hampton's son, who is a drummer, composer, producer. He's worked with Macy Gray. Uh, he's currently with John Legend. He's toured and recorded with tons of other people. He's also an instructor as well. And he went to the same university as me, so Eagle Pride for that. Granted, I went to a few universities, so... Um, the odds are you probably did go to school with me <laughs> if you went to school in North Carolina. Anyway, um, I hope you guys have a good rest of your night. Thanks for hanging in here with me because I, I mean, when you have a legend that's worked with legends, you're going to just keep asking questions until they're like, all right, I'm done. And it just seemed like you just kept having such great stories. So thanks for hanging out with me. I hope you guys have a great rest of your night and I'll see you again tomorrow at six o'clock Eastern time, 3 p.m. Pacific. Make sure you follow me on Instagram, YouTube. All the links are all over my Facebook or you can check me out on my website, camillecower.com and you can get all the links there as well because now I'm simulcasting not only YouTube but also on Facebook. So you know, if you have friends that don't have Facebook, please share my link so they can watch it as well now that I'm trying out YouTube for the first time today. So really glad it went well today. Uh, I really appreciate it. And you guys have a great rest of your week and I will see you again tomorrow. Oh, and Friday, Friday, I'm trying something new. I'm going to be on Instagram live for the eSpot this Friday and next Friday. So make sure you definitely follow me at The Real Camille Cower on Instagram because that's where I'm going to be this Friday and next Friday for the eSpot. It's just testing out some different ways to make sure everybody gets to watch the e-spot. All right, you guys have a great night and I'll see you again tomorrow.